This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Welcome back to Life Made Better, the podcast where we interview interesting people that not only inspire us, but so that we can find out how they made their life better and how we can learn from their story and challenges. Today, we have the lovely guest, Sarah Fueling, founder and professional executive coach at Fueling Coaching and Facilitation. Sarah comes from a background as a licensed professional counsellor. She's leveraging 20 plus years of experience as an entrepreneurial private practice therapist with expert knowledge in relationship dynamics, healthy communication and emotional intelligence, which she brings to her practice. We're so happy to have you here today, Sarah. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you, you guys. I'm thrilled to be part of the show. I'm a fan, so it's fun to just be able to be here and you know, let my story be heard. It's wonderful. Thank you. So can you tell our guests a little bit more about yourself? You bet. So I am a professional executive coach, which you said, but I also think of myself as a confidential sounding board, as a co-creator with my clients of whatever their ideal future and dreams are. I'm also a CEO, so I founded Freeland Coaching and Facilitation. I've got a team of just world-class coaches and strategic planners. So I have all of that happening. Plus, I'm a wife. I've been married for 26 years and a mother of a brilliant 20-year-old. You know, I'm not, I'm not objective at all about my son. He's amazing. <laughs> That does happen to us all, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. But Sarah, with obviously such a varied background, I wonder, you know, what gave you the courage to take that leap from being a therapist to entrepreneur, then to coach? Because, you know, lots of us think about things, but we can't quite get ourselves to take those steps needed to get there or to introduce those changes. So I wonder if you could share a little bit about your path or your journey in that regards with us. Yeah, I've got two things to share about that. So the first thing that I always think about is what kind of person are you? So have you heard about the learning zones? Yep. <laughs> so I'm going to do a quick recap. I think it's 70% of people kind of exist in the comfort zone. So they're fairly close-minded, change is uncomfortable. That's a large percentage, right? 70%. 20% of us are in the learning zone, which is totally my playground. So I'm always loving to learn, grow, change, try new things. The last 10% is called the high risk or the danger zone, which might be people who are making risky choices. So I think for me, the first part of that answer is I've always really been interested in personal, professional development, self-actualization, transcendence, all those kinds of things. And the second half of that answer is really my story, which is I'd been an entrepreneur. I'd been a private practice therapist for about 23 years, owned my own business. And a lot of things have changed. So here in the state. We went to managed mental health. There was a real focus on pathologizing people, which I fundamentally disagree with. 
And all the things with electronic health records and things meant what I loved about being a therapist, which was working with people and helping them change their lives so that they could heal, was overshadowed by all the crap, um, all the things that I didn't want to do, administrative kinds of things, and just, boy, it took a lot of the joy out of what I was doing. Enters a really good friend of mine from college. So I had a friend of mine from college who's a, I'd call him a serial entrepreneur. He was a millionaire. He was back in town. Actually, for a really sad reason, his dad had passed away. And he said, hey, while I'm home, do you have time for lunch? So we met. We had this lovely conversation over lunch. Probably had an hour and a half, two-hour lunch. And in it, he brought out this list. It's actually now, I know it's the emotional guidance scale of feelings from at the top, the upward spiral, joy, empowerment, love, down to the very bottom of hopelessness, despair, hopeless victim feelings like there's nothing you can do. And we had this really fascinating conversation about where he was on the scale. And he actually asked me, where are you? And I realized the goal was to be in the upward spiral. And I realized that I was content or at the first step down in the downward spiral, which is a little bored. <laughs> and I realized, oh, I don't think I'm very, I don't think I'm feeling inspired or very engaged anymore. I was really good at what I was doing, but I, I didn't feel fulfilled with it anymore. At the end of our lunch, he said to me, you really should become a professional executive coach because I know 20 multimillionaires in Omaha, where we live, we're in the central U.S., who could have a conversation who would love to have a conversation like this and someone to talk through these things with. And that was brilliant. And I realized, I thought, okay, well, let me look into this. I didn't know very much about coaching at the time. And you know, when things just align because you're really living out your true calling, all these things fell into place beautifully. A month later, I had found the best postgraduate coaching program I could find, went to it, got certified, made a beautiful business plan. Well, I'll be a therapist part-time and I'll be a coach part-time. And you know what? I was having so much fun. It was just so fun as a coach. And I realized the kind of impact I could have would be so much bigger working with impact leaders. And I don't know, it led to a whole host of changes. Lucia, you named it. I mean, we, after a year or two of commuting, I was coming up to Omaha because we were living in a smaller town about two hours away. Omaha is a city here in Nebraska where I live. I said to my husband, so I was coming first once a month, then twice a month, then daily, a couple days every week. I said to my husband, oh man, I should just get an apartment. You know, so I can serve clients. I love what I'm doing. I think I'll live in Omaha. I just want to have my own coffee and my own creamer in the morning and not have to have a hotel room. Or And my husband, which has been fantastic, which probably is the third element in being able to make these kinds of changes that I didn't think of till just now, is he was totally on board. You know, he said, Sarah, our son was a sophomore in high school. So he was the second, halfway through his second year of high school. 
And he said, you're going to get an apartment for three years until our son graduates. We should just move. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> we, moved, we moved the family, opened a whole new business. Um, I left the coaching practice with my partner. And so he's taken that and run with it in Hastings. And I have just had a blast. So I loved my clients. Mm. What I'm hearing, and I think it's quite funny because, you know, quite a few people that we've spoken to, my, my journey is sort of similar in that sense. It's always that sort of moment where you were thought that you were casually catching up with somebody and then that sets you off on a complete different path. And I like to think that that is not, you know, is not just something that happens just because it, it was meant to be that way but what I'm hearing is that openness and that sort of being willing to receive which not many people do and I think when you're open to receiving or at least getting curious then that's when those miracles that magic starts happening. Mm, what I'm hearing as well is that you listen to yourself you didn't have that spark anymore that aliveness that we all crave and if we don't have it we're not growing and con contributing we start feeling kind of less than we really are I resonated because I was exactly the same I was kind of working for university I was at the top of my game everyone was like you've got such a great job that's fitting around your children and I was good at it but it wasn't making me grow anymore and I wasn't feeling that spark which is the same reason that I went into coaching so I really resonated with that with that story and I now I now know that you've started to put your passion into the the real impactful leaders and the millionaires and the billionaires it, it reminds me of what's this program on schools uh, on tv is it called billionaires <laughs> Was it, yeah <laughs> the therapist that turned coach and now is helping the the top top performers so I can imagine that is quite exciting tell us a bit more about that yeah what well, I think what I've learned so one of the things that was really a gift was when we moved and part of how my business exploded it's all been word of mouth has been really from that first friend who said hey come to Omaha, let me introduce you to some people. And so that really catapulted me into being able to work with impact leaders. So people who actually are growth-minded, I think hire coaches first, people who want to have change, they're open to that. And what I found out was, I think one of the things I loved about my first career just making that positive difference in the world, kind of in my own small, very quiet way, one person, one couple, one family at a time. And what I realized when I started coaching with impact leaders and owners and founders of large companies, large corporations, was that actually that was happening, but on a much grander scale. And before before some of those wounds happen. So a lot of us, I will say, are wounded well. So we've had life experiences. Everybody's had something that has hurt, been painful, that they've had to overcome or a challenge. And what I realized was by working with leaders, 
in my niche, which who knew that being a therapist who focused on emotional, social intelligence, positive psychology, communication, and that type of stuff would be such a fabulous micro niche for coaching. What I learned was we could change the whole culture of the company, starting with the owner or the founder and the leadership team, and that that would cascade down throughout the organization. So it's ended up feeling really, I feel really passionate about it. It's really aligned with my core values and what I believe in. People think You know, that my clients, that impact leaders, especially ultra high net worth individuals are just egotistical, narcissistic jerks. And, (laughs) you know, that might be true. Movies like Billions really play off of that. However, movies, TV shows or series like that play off of that. However, there's so many. My clients actually want to change the world for good. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so fascinated in my calling, which is my favorite kind of ROI, creating positive ripples of impact. And those are the clients that I attract and work with, whether they're millionaires or whether they're making $90,000 and just aspire to be a millionaire. Yeah, it sounds like you go for those people that have got that attitude of wanting also to really achieve And then lots of them do achieve, don't they? And then they get to that bit like, well, what does this actually mean? And then they want to make it more meaningful because they realize that they don't feel the way they thought they'd feel when they make that million or however much they make. Yeah, there is a conundrum of, it's a a trap really. It's the paradox of having wealth. If that's been your goal, you forget or you lose touch sometimes with what it means to have meaning and purpose in life. And so you're chasing that goal. You think you're going to get there, but every time you're where you thought the end would be, it's still not quite enough. So it's really wonderful to help reconnect. And you guys do this through your podcast and through your clients and your programs. So you know this. It's really just deeply meaningful and incredible. It's such a privilege to help reconnect people to their joy and their passion so that they can do that, so that they can have this positive change, not only in their family or their business, but in their community. And some of the individuals that I'm working with are playing on such a big scale. It it will impact our world community. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing is two things that I think is worth pausing because Sarah, one of the things that you just mentioned is that, you know, they just thought that earning that million or that first billion was going to bring them that joy. But actually research shows that that is not the truth. And it's quite, uh, you know, I find it quite interesting. I'm doing this course on on jail about the science of, of well-being and happiness. And that is one of the key things that we all think that these material things like earning this sort of money is what is going to tick that box and makes us happy but actually the reality of it is that we don't and as a matter of fact this sort of sort of threshold that when you hit the $75,000 whether you're earning that or a million actually doesn't move the needle that much your happiness levels are not affected which I found you know quite striking in a way and a lot of people listening to us today today might be shocked Uh, so I think that's 
one of the first things to say, if happiness is what you're after, then look for experiences, don't look for the money or look for the money, but just to get those experiences rather than look for that materialistic. Well, I have a, I have a little to add to your happiness because I think absolutely the happiness research supports that, that once your basic needs are met, your happiness doesn't increase. We get on, I think it's the heuristic treadmill where the more money we have, the more we spend. And really the research has shown there are three things that lead, not just surface. You know, I think of happiness sometimes as very surface level kind of pleasure maybe. I'm thinking about that deeper joy, that type of happiness. And that really comes from three things. It comes from relationships, so friends and family. It comes from helping others which people often forget, especially if they're struggling or they're stressed or there's something challenging in their life. And the third piece is some kind of personal growth. So I think those things, if you're not feeling happy, those are places to start. How do you build closer relationships? How do you lean in to the people you love and the friends you have? Or how do you seek out people to connect with if you're feeling like you don't have that? With COVID, we were in an epidemic of loneliness pre-COVID, and now with COVID, we know there are people hurting all over. So that's that's challenging right now. Yes, which is why it's beautiful that you're helping people that do have a big effect on other people. Because if you're helping leaders that have so many people underneath them, they need to be as powerful as they are loving or empathetic so important so it cascades down to the people below them to their families and it's the next generation isn't it so it is like you said a, a bigger bigger picture what I'm interested in Sarah I don't think you're going to escape <laughs> your challenges <laughs> because remember this is a podcast about how you've overcome your challenges what have been your main challenges and how have you overcome them so I had I've had my share of hardships I debated on this question because you guys said, hey, we're maybe going to ask this. Well, first, I have a belief that every challenge that comes is a lesson. It's part of our own spiritual evolution. So it's our calling. It's our growth calling when those things happen. And I have, of course, a strong preference for gentle challenges, the gentle nudge and whispers of <laughs> challenge that you can embrace with grace. Um, but man, I've been knocked over a few times. I think the biggest challenge for me and in our life was we had secondary infertility. And through that, we finally conceived. I had a really high-risk pregnancy. Our second son was born premature. There'd been a whole lot of complications and he did not survive. And I remember thinking, and this speaks to the kind of pain that we hold as humans. I have a real moment of a distinct, another one of those moments, Lucia, that you named. So a pivotal, something in life that changes the trajectory of where you're going. This one was deep lesson and incredibly painful, but so valuable. So I remember being at Charlie's funeral. I'd never actually been to a funeral for a baby before it was my own son's, which is 
heartbreaking. I mean, I carried our four-year-old son who's now 20 and my husband carried this little tiny casket to take it to the gravesite. And I remember sitting and thinking as they lowered him, I remember thinking the earth could just swallow me up mm-hmm. in that yeah. And thought, you know what? I just thought of that actually could be just fine. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I had this resilience. It's, it's grit. We know it's the number one predictor of success, but I had this voice that said, mothers and parents have had their children die generations upon generations and they've survived you can survive this you have to survive this you have a four-year-old who's the delight and a joy and out of that experience i learned one of my truly i think north stars in my life which is to lead with gratitude and to be able to hold the pain that we all experience in life at the same time as we accept and see and love and celebrate with great, great gratitude for the joy and the blessings in life. I think that's the trick. Mm-hmm. And we can do both. And that gives us a fuller, expansive view of who we are and what life is about. So we can't appreciate all those beautiful things mm. if we don't actually know the pain. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. And I, I know it can't have been easy, so I really appreciate your vulnerability. Yeah. And, you know, even when you were saying that, I had goose pimples. At the moment, I'm doing a course with Gabo Mate, and it's called The Wisdom of Trauma. And it's about how we have to learn from it. And as human beings, we do if we can feel that pain. Yeah. And for you to yeah. be able to share that, I think it's so helpful for many people that have lost children and find it so hard to see any gratitude or any good. And any kind of trauma or any kind of deep loss or pain, there's this post-traumatic growth. So it's those moments, I always name them end-of-the-world moments. So those moments when you think the world has ended. And most people have had at least... One And if you haven't, I hope you take great gratitude and thank your, whatever your divine is or whatever you believe the universe for that. So those moments expand our range. Mm-hmm. It gives us this deep sense of, okay, I've survived this. And I think that also allows you to be more expansive. So mm-hmm. there's that saying about post-traumatic growth floor, which is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Which is, PSG, yeah. Yeah, how do you grow from mm-hmm. those moments? And so I think people think my personal clientele, impact leaders and people have more money than they know what to do with, don't have issues. <laughs> the truth is they still do. Yeah, everybody and, has wounding. Yeah. does, And leaders have more pressure. They're just so responsible for so many things and often they feel very lonely because it's difficult to be honest and vulnerable or transparent. I imagine you have two types of leaders, don't you? You have the leaders that are coming from lack and then the leaders that are coming from that pure desire and all that joy that they they want to put something out in the world. What, is that right? 
Yeah. I think, well, don't we all have the choice? <laughs> I always think, oh, we have a choice. We can choose love or joy or fear and scarcity. <laughs> so we have that choice, I think, almost every moment of every day for how we approach our lives. And absolutely, leaders fall into the same category. Mm-hmm. I imagine that lots of them don't even know that they are where, what they're coming from because they've got on that treadmill. And one of your jobs is to shine that light and get them to understand it's really such a privilege. So I'll have two types of clients for me personally, you know, I have a team. So everybody has their own specialty things that they love to do and work with and client issues that they love to do and work with. But I'll have people who have huge visions, great dreams. They have something they really want to build and they need that support to figure it out. So you know, I've got a client who makes 120000 a year, but man, he thinks like a multimillionaire and I will not be surprised within, I don't know, five years that he isn't where he wants to be. And then I have multimillionaires, impact leaders who are kind of at the top of their game. They've made it. And now they're saying, oh, wait, what? Is this it? <laughs> what next mm-hmm. and what I think next? that's a very common thing isn't it that we forget and, it, and I would say at that point it doesn't really matter whether you're a multimillionaire, whether you are 120 whether you are even lower because I think what we grow up believing is that when you hit certain level uh, like you know I know that in my culture it was like you graduate you get married you have a house you have children a good job that's it you've made it and you kind of think that you, when you hit that level, then you should be happy. And it's kind of a Disney story, isn't it? It's like, and they lived happily ever after. But then comes this big question mark that is, what next? And so what now? Because I've reached this level, I'm supposed to be all happy and fulfilled and joyful. And I am not. And I think that's, you know, that's the sort of job that us coaches we do is coming in and saying, well, you've hit this, but let's take a look at all the other bits, especially if you're a female, a female leader, then that becomes even harder. At least that's something that, you know, we are seeing with our clients that you also have to tune in that male energy to reach those levels. And then the sense of being lost and living in autopilot and not knowing who you are anymore is really present at that moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why would you recommend, Sarah, that someone gets a coach? Oh, there are so many. I mean, there's all kinds of research that would say it helps people be more engaged, more productive, helps you enjoy your life better, create stronger relationships. But really, it is so helpful to have Someone who is there for you to hold that space, to help with inspiring you, help encourage you. I love to do the combo technique, which is insight coaching with an element of accountability. So it's, it's I call it that dynamic duo where both things happen. It just catapults you into what you really want. I think the thing that robs people of going for it. So at your very first question, Lucia, you asked me, well, what it was the second question? What let you, what inspired you? How'd you do it? Comfort, being comfortable or comfortable enough 
is one of our worst enemies. And what I've realized as I started working with all of these leaders is that they're willing to just be a little bit uncomfortable. They're willing to take a risk to go for it. And when you have someone there who supports you, not only in helping you plan it, but just emotionally gives you that extra support, cheers you on and is there for you. It helps you step into that learning zone out of your comfort zone to go for the things you really want. What the world needs is people who are living their passionate, true, joyful lives. More of that, we will all be happier. Mm -hmm, Definitely. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. So I I definitely think that for the people listening to us, that will bring a new perspective. But I wonder, having accomplished all that much, having gone through all those many stages in your life and your, you know, your, your journey, is there anything that you still want to achieve? Is there anything that you're still, you're curious about? Oh, Tons and tons. And this is hilarious because I made a list of like a million things. But I I think I will always be a lifelong learner. I will always be striving for self-actualization and transcendence. I hope that I'll be able to, my intention is to write a book about some of this, some of the psychology and some of the things, those biggest challenges and those wounds that my clientele have. I'm really loving working with a team of coaches. And so I hope to grow the company in that way and reach more people to really have that live out my true calling and mission, which is really to bring meaningful joy and purpose to people's lives so they can have that positive ripple of impact effect around the people who surround them. I mean, there's a million other things I'd like to do as well. <laughs> I, I can feel but. your curiosity. <laughs> it takes one to know one as well. I mean, yeah. Lucia's always laughing about what course I'm on next and yes. how many courses, yeah. but I can't stop learning. I, I love to learn, especially from thought leaders. I mean, it, we're so lucky to have that, aren't we? Especially at the moment with the internet. Yeah. Such access to so much learning. So what is the one question, Sarah, you wished we had asked you, which we haven't? Well, two possible questions. One would be to just tell you a little bit about my team. Okay. Um, And the other one actually would be what happens for me and how do I get through it every time I'm ready to expand? They're they're a little bit intertwined because every time I'm ready to take the leap of faith, into the next big thing. So first it was coaching. Then it was, oh, let's move. That's a crazy idea for, it was crazy at the time. Then it's, oh, let's, right now it is, oh, let's delegate to elevate. Let's get a full team of people with a variety of personalities and skill sets so I can match clients up really well. And we have a whole range of investment down from, you know, our our beginning rate is, for twice a month, $500, which is a, not that much different in pounds right now. The conversion's not too mm. different. Up to my rates, which are quite a lot higher than that. <laughs> Every time that I think, ooh, let's go for it. So I lean into what I would call, I'm flirting with the edge of that high risk zone. Remember the comfort zone, learning zone, high risk. Every time I lean in, I have fear. 
and I recognize that I'll have anxiety, I'll notice it feels a little bit like imposter syndrome. And my best tool is to go, oh, I hear it. That's how I know I'm growing. And so I lean into it just a little bit more because I know if I'm trying things that don't feel comfortable or I'm moving in a direction that is so expansive that I feel a little out of my element, I'm kicking ass. It's a right way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so listeners actually might really appreciate hearing that because yeah. sometimes people think, oh, I've, I've got some insecurity or doubts or fear or anxiety. I shouldn't do that. Um, and it stops people in their tracks when really it's a good signal that you're moving in a new direction. Yeah, because being brave is not ha not having fear, is it? It's stepping into the fear and embracing right. the fear as best you can. And, you know, working with the anxiety and the uh, yeah. the extra stress, it, like you yeah. said, it doesn't go away. And, and we all have it because that's how our minds and bodies are primed to keep us safe. So when it feels a bit scary we do get those reactions <laughs> mind and body <laughs> even though our soul keeps saying go on you can do it you can do it <laughs> we still get that other little voice it's like but maybe you can't <laughs> <laughs> but so that's true. a stretch zone isn't it that's how you as you ladies pointed out that's how you get to grow if you stay in your comfort zone yes it will feel comfy and you can manage it but you will remain where you are so you know, taking that leap of faith, as you were just pointing, Sarah, is what it takes. And it will feel scary and you'll be like, I don't want to do it. Let's just run away from here. But as it is commonly said, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. There's yeah, nothing I'm worse very... than feeling stuck, is there? And bored. No, for me, that's, no. that is the more scary feeling. <laughs> yeah. not, if, not if you're consciously paying attention to that stuck feeling. Yeah. So I've really learned that confidence is not a requirement, but courage is. So if you lean in with courage, confidence is the outcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, people well, should achieve it. <laughs> yes, people think oh, I've got to have confidence before I can go and do a do, new job interview or try something different. Not really. You just have to have enough courage. Yeah, just to yeah. do it. Yeah. We we say on our course to build it brick by brick. <laughs> Every yeah. time that you try something a bit more out of your comfort zone, that you've put another brick on your layer. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Like yeah. It. You won't be fully confident. You become confident by attempting it and trying it and just stepping out of that comfort zone little by little. If you go far too far down the line, then you're in that extreme fear zone and it will prevent you from attempting anything else. Right, <laughs> Just right. Ever again. <laughs> I think sometimes people get locked up in the comfort zone because they're perfectionists mm -hmm. as well. So there's another thing that prevents people from stepping out because they don't, they don't want to not how to do something well, or there's fear around that. So I know there are people listening who are in the comfort zone, don't really want to be in the comfort zone, but their perfectionism prevents them from taking that leap. Mm, that's, that. a, that's their programming, isn't it, as well, that they have to do things perfectly to be able to take that next step. But as we know, as coaches, that's the one thing that can stop us. <laughs> We've never got it all figured out. We're all imperfectly perfect, and that's absolutely fine. So can you sum up, Sarah, in one sentence, how you have made your life better? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it is with 
being open and receptive through gratitude, through being willing to listen to my callings and be willing to change. Just to embrace the whole fullness of life, all the good, all the bad and love and appreciate all of it. I love that. The fragility and the beauty. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. Thank you so much. You've been such a lovely guest. And I know our listeners are going to get so much out of this. So really thank you for giving up your time today and, and coming to visit us in the UK. <laughs> oh, yeah. So fun. It's a gift to, for me to be on here. And I hope that your leader, your listeners also really enjoyed it. You guys are so fun. I hope you know that you're delightful podcast hosts. <laughs> oh, that's kind. Thank you, Sarah. That's kind. <laughs> Can you let all our listeners know where they can find you, websites, social media channels? Yeah, sure. So the website is frulinecoaching.com. I'm sure you'll put it in the notes. It's difficult to spell, so make sure to <laughs> yeah, look that it up. It will be written on. <laughs> we'll put it there one click away. You bet. And of course, I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So people can reach out through the website if they just want to have a conversation with me or about anyone on the team. Everybody has different skill sets and really, really amazing to be part of such an elite group of people and lead them to bring this, my own mission to fruition. It's really been an incredible journey. I'm excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be keeping a close eye. Yeah, Thank you. Do. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. As Fleur said, I think, you know, it's a conversation that definitely our listeners will be taking a lot from. So thank you for sharing so much with us. You bet. My pleasure. And thank you for our listeners for joining us for one more week. Thank you for showing us your love and appreciation. And please share the love, share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit from it. Like, leave a comment and subscribe. And we will look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, stay well, stay safe and stay inspired. Much love. <laughs> <laughs>